You are listening to Rockland Community Church, connecting all generations to Jesus. Well, good morning. My name is Aaron, and I am the uh, student and family pastor here at Rockland Community Church. Jim is actually traveling to be with Hannah for her college homecoming this weekend. Uh, So I am both honored and humbled to be able to bring the message to you today. Um, If you've been paying attention, and I hope that you have, we are working our way through the book of Psalms. And Psalms is a very interesting book, and it's a very powerful book. And the title of this series has been Heartaches and Hallelujahs. And if you've been with us the last four weeks or so, we've been kind of in a phase of of heartaches. We've been talking a lot about lament, and we've been talking a lot about uh, these kind of heartache situations. Well, I'm the lucky one. I get to bring you Psalm 65, which is all about hallelujahs, and it's all about praising, and it's all about thankfulness. So I'm excited to bring that to you here this morning. Now, it is, believe it or not, it is October 1st. And I don't know about you guys, but I wasn't quite ready for October 1st. This year is just flying by. And not only is it October 1st, but now there is pumpkin spice everything, right? Uh, I even saw an ad the other day for pumpkin spice communion wafers. So you may be very surprised this morning, a little bit later on when you come up to take communion. I'm not saying it is. I'm not saying it isn't. Uh, But you may be very surprised when you come forward to take communion this morning. But But anyway, my point is this, we're we're getting to that time of the year that we start to look towards the holidays. And our next kind of big holiday that's coming up is going to be Thanksgiving. And that's what we're going to be focusing on this morning because Psalms chapter 65 is really a, a song or a poem or a prayer, if you will, of Thanksgiving. Now, I think this was originally intended to be, if you read the preface to this, it's intended to be a song or a poem But I think this could easily be a very powerful prayer as well. So what we're going to be talking about today is this idea of being thankful and being praiseful all of the time. And in this psalm, David talks about some really powerful things that that we may forget about from time to time. And, And this is going to remind us of that. One of the things I love about studying the Bible is you're going to read some things that are just going to blow your mind. If you've been with us on Sunday morning, or excuse me, uh, Tuesday morning or Wednesday morning, we have been walking our way through the book of Revelation. And the book of Revelation is deep, and it's challenging, and it's difficult, but it's so very powerful. So sometimes we, we get into a passage that is really just like, here's a bunch of brand new information for us. And then sometimes we're going to read a passage kind of like the one today, where maybe this is just a good reminder for us of some things that maybe we haven't been doing that we need to get back on track with. And that's kind of what Psalm 65 is going to be for us today. So I want to share a passage with you, and this is going to be a very familiar one before we jump into Psalm 65, and that's Philippians 4, 6. And I know most of you know this. This is probably one of the first passages that you memorized as a child or maybe as an adult if you came to Christ a little bit later on in life. But this is a very powerful verse for us. And I want this verse to kind of frame everything that we're going to do in Psalms chapter 65. So if you would, flip over with me to Philippians chapter 4. And we're going to read verse 6. It says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, in prayer and supplication, With thanksgiving, it says, let your requests be made known to God. So even though what we're talking about in this particular passage is is giving it to God kind of to relieve our own stress, to relieve our own anxiety, and this particular verse is talking about when we go to God with a problem, even here it reminds us about being 
in a spirit of thanksgiving. And I don't want that to get lost on us today, and I don't want that to get lost on us as we, as we continue to read this passage. So let's flip over now to Psalms chapter 65. Psalms chapter 65 is a really great passage because it's just this very joyful, very praiseful passage. And we think that what David is doing is he, he's giving a song of praise or a poem or a, or a prayer, if you will, of thanksgiving for the harvest. It's kind of that time of the year, and I don't know if Jim planned it this way or not, but we're kind of at that time of the year where we're celebrating the harvest and the harvest festivals and things like that. And I grew up in the Midwest. I grew up in a very small town, literally in the middle of a cornfield. So these types of prayers, to me growing up, were very common. It was very common to hear a very lengthy prayer about needing water for the crops and about a good harvest. Because those things where I grew up in a farming community were, were literally kind of life or death situations. If, they didn't, if the farmers didn't harvest a good crop, they wouldn't make enough money to plant the next season. Or if they were subsistence farming, they weren't even making enough to, to provide for their family for the year. Now, I didn't grow up on a farm, but my great-grandparents had a farm. And they were subsistence farmers. They grew everything that they ate. So to them, this would have been a very common prayer. They would have prayed for things like the rain to come and the bounty of the harvest. So we think that that's what David is doing, is he is giving a prayer of thanksgiving for what we would have to assume is a successful harvest. Now, this passage is broken down into three kind of distinct areas that David is going to unpack for us, and that is we look at God as Redeemer, we look at God as Creator, and then we look at God as Provider. Now, we know that, that when this was written, this would have been written as one long passage, and then at some point later on, we went back and kind of put our verses in, but, but it's funny how this one kind of breaks down almost perfectly into three specific se sections, and again, we're looking at God as our Redeemer, God as our Creator, and the Creator of our universe, and then God as Provider. So David is taking the time to just lift up his voice in thankfulness to God. So when do we lift up our voices to God? When do we pray? What does that look like for each and every one of us? Do we pray only when we need something from God? Do we pray only when we need a favor from God? Or do we only pray when we haven't got a prayer? And what I mean by that is when we're kind of at, hanging on to that last thread, when we're kind of hanging on to that last string, and we don't know what else to do, then we go to God. And I think that this is something that's very individual for each and every one of us, and I think it's also something that changes as we mature in our faith as Christians. And I don't necessarily mean mature by age, but as we mature in our faith. We start off as children learning very simple prayers. My, my kids are, are blessed to go to, to Christian school, so they, they learn prayers in school as well as prayers at home, of course. And they learn very simple prayers, like five fingers here, five fingers there, put them together in quiet prayer. Thank you, thank you, my heart sings. Thank you, God, for everything. Amen. What a simple but powerful prayer. So we learn those as we're children. And maybe you learned that prayer, or maybe you learned one similar to that. But we kind of just kind of recite these prayers. And then as we grow in our faith, it becomes less of a just something we do out of habit and more something we do as part of building our relationship with Jesus. So that prayer goes from maybe just a prayer for my breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and a prayer before bed, to just talking to God throughout the day. Because see, God doesn't want to hear from us only when we need something from Him. 
God doesn't only want to hear from us because we feel like that's our last ditch effort. God should be our first effort, not our last effort. And that's something that kind of changes for us as we mature in our faith and as we grow in our faith and as we grow in that relationship. And you all know that in any relationship, whether it's a spouse, whether it's a child, whether it's a friend, relationships require communication. And we get to talk to the creator of our universe. And not only do we get to talk to the creator of our universe, but get this, he wants to hear from us. And that's exactly what we're going to be looking at today. We're going to look at Psalms chapter 65 and how how David is, is reaching up and reaching out to just say thank you for all that God has done. And he's going to start off in these first few verses talking about God as our redeemer. So if you would, Psalms chapter 65, let's start in verse 1. It says, praise is due to you, O God, in Zion, and you shall vows be performed. It says, O you who is here, prayer to you shall, excuse me, prayer to you shall all flesh come. So he's acknowledging God for who he is. Verse 3 says, when iniquities prevail against me, you atone for our transgressions. And there we get to this God as our Redeemer. And if you look at some of the other translations, because I like to look at other translations to see what verbiage they've chosen, but some of the other translations in verse 3 talk about this idea of drowning in sin. And if you think about this idea of drowning, this helpless feeling where, where you just keep getting pulled down and sucked down further and further and further, that's how we feel sometimes. Sometimes we feel like we just kind of get lost in our sin. We feel like our sin is just too overwhelming. Or even worse, we get to a point where we feel like, I've, I've sinned too much. There's no way that God can accept me. There's no way that God can love me. There's no way that he can still be my redeemer. And there's nothing more heartbreaking than to hear someone say, I just can't. I've done too much. I've made too many mistakes. Because God sent Jesus Christ to die for our sins so that we wouldn't have to feel that way. And yes, we're going to make mistakes. I make mistakes every day. You probably make mistakes every day. But the key is to remember who our Redeemer is. To remember that there is someone so much more powerful than we could ever be who has already paid that price for us. Now, that doesn't mean go out and live however you want because Christ got your back. That's not what that means, and that's not what the Bible teaches us. The Bible teaches us to be Christ-like. We can never be God, but we should be Christ-like. So we need to live into that. We need to live into this idea of being Christ-like. We need to try our best not to make those mistakes. We need to try our best not to repeat those sins. And again, that's not to say it's not going to happen. But David is recognizing right here that, look, we are going to sin, but God has got our backs. God is going to take care of it. Let's go ahead and continue reading. If we look at verse 4, verse 4 reads, Blessed is the one you choose and bring near to dwell in your courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house and the holiness of your temple. Wow, there's a lot of good stuff here in verse 4 that I want to look at. But he's talking about the ones that you choose. Now, David would have probably been talking about the Israelites because that's who this would have been directed kind of towards. But we can extrapolate this out to mean all of those who are in Christ. That means you and me. He's talking about the ones that you bring near. Those of us who are in Christ are leaving a blessed life. Now, blessed is a word that kind of gets overused these days. 
You kind of see this everywhere. And for a while there, you would really see it everywhere. You'd see it on bumper stickers. You'd see it on every social media post. I got a new car today, hashtag blessed. And we know that that's, that's, not, that's not the blessed life that we're promised when we're in Christ. The blessed life is that we have something more than this life has to offer. And he's talking about when you're in Christ. When your identity is found in Christ, you are going to be truly blessed. And again, that doesn't mean that everything is going to go my way here on earth. It doesn't mean I'm going to have an easy life because we're not promised that. But what we are promised is it's easier when we have Jesus. Imagine trying to go through this life. And imagine trying to live this life with all of the troubles and all of the heartaches and all of the sorrows, thinking, that's it. I'm here alone, and this is it. This is what life is. See, we know that we're not ever alone. We're never alone even when we're by ourselves, and we know that we're promised a so much better life down the road. That's what it means by saying that we are blessed when we're in Christ. And we need to live into that. See, that's what gives us our Christian worldview. That's what allows us to see things through the lens of a Christian. That's what allows us to see things that when terrible things happen to us, we know there's something better waiting for us down the road. That Christian worldview is what allows us to see creation for what it really is. Creation wasn't just a happenstance. Creation wasn't just an accident. Creation was made by God. And when you have a Christian worldview, you see it as made by God, not an accident, not a shifting of the earth. It was made by God. It was created by God. And that's what this next section is going to tell us a little bit about. So let's go ahead and pick up in verse 5, and we're going to read verses 5 through 8. It says, By awesome deeds you answer us with righteousness. O God of salvation, the hope of all of the ends of the earth and the furthest seas, the one who, is, who by his strength established the mountains, being girded with might, who stills the roaring of the seas, the roaring of their waves, and the tumult of their people, so that those who dwell at the ends of the earth are in awe of your signs. You make the going out of the morning and the coming of the evening to shout for joy. So here David is talking about creation. He's talking about this idea that this was not an accident. This is something that God did. Now, I want you to see the language here. There's some very interesting language in this psalm. And one of the ones that you'll see is David throughout this psalm talks about we and us. He talks about we and us, not just I, not just me, but he talks a lot about we and us. And when we pray, are we, are we using that same kind of language to know that it's not about just myself? Are we using that same us and we language? Because we're all in this together, whether we like it or not. We're in this together. And David repeats that over and over and over again. We, us, we, us. Because it's not about me. It's about us. It's about this church family. It's about the Christian body that meets throughout the world. But I want you to notice that he's talking about all of the ends of the earth. Now, when we see this in the Bible, we're not just talking about the physical, geographical ends of the earth. Now, that's part of it. But what we're talking about is to all people everywhere. The Abrahamic covenant. 
I want you to flip with me, if you would, over to Galatians. We're going to look at a passage from Galatians real quick, and then we'll jump back in. And that's Galatians chapter 3, starting in verse 26. So Galatians chapter 3, we're going to start off in verse 26. And Galatians 3.26 says, For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you who were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For all of you are one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. So when we read this passage and it's talking about to the ends of the earth, he's talking about how this is for everyone. Now what? Guess what? That's really good news for you and me. Because this passage wasn't written to you and me. It was written to the people of Israel thousands of years ago. But he's reminding us here in Galatians that it's for everybody. Now whether or not we choose to accept it, that's up to us. But the way the gospel was intended was to be for everybody throughout the entire world. And we have to remember that. It's not just about myself. And I think that that's why David uses this us and we language because the gospel is for everyone. So we've looked at God as redeemer. We've looked at God as creator. And now we're gonna finish up this passage looking at verses 10 through 13 and talk about how God is the provider. It says, your water, its furrows, abundantly setting its ridges softening it with showers and blessing its growth. You crown the year with bounty. Your wagon tracks overflow with abundance. The pastures of the wilderness overflow. The hills gird themselves with joy. The meadows clothe themselves with floods and valleys deck themselves with grain. It says they shout and sing together for joy. So we're talking about this idea of Christ as the provider, as God as the provider. Now in this passage, he's talking a lot about water. And he talks about water because water is essential. We can't live without water. We can go days without food. And maybe some of us should. Talking about myself, I'm not pointing any fingers. But we can't go days and days without water. Because water is what sustains the earth. Water is what keeps life going. And God provides that for us. Now, I lived in California for about 20 years, and they were perpetually, perpetually, I'll get it together, perpetually, in a state of drought, which always blew my mind because, as you probably already know, California sits right on the ocean. But they were always in a state of drought. And there were always restrictions placed on water. You can't water your lawn. You can't wash your car. You're only supposed to do laundry between these hours of the day. And they were constantly in a state of drought. And I only bring this up to say that I think sometimes we kind of take things like water for granted. Because what do we do? If we're thirsty, we walk over and we turn the faucet on. And it's very simple. But do we ever stop to think, wait a minute, where does that water actually come from? Now, you probably learned in school way back when about the cycle of water. And that's that rain comes down and it fills up the oceans and it fills up the lakes and the lakes feed into the rivers. And then eventually that water starts to evaporate and the evaporation comes up into the clouds and the clouds become full of water and it rains again. I'm sure you already knew that. But do we ever stop to think 
that that doesn't just happen by accident. That happens because God provides that water for us that he knows that we need. When's the last time that you said a prayer and thank God for water? Because we take that for granted. It's one of those things that we take for granted. But again, as I was growing up, it was very common to hear prayers for water, prayers for rain, prayers for provision, prayers for the crops. And then hopefully we remembered, just like this passage, to go back and praise God for doing it. See, creation was not an accident. If you think about it, Earth is the only planet that can naturally sustain life. It's the exact right distance from the sun. It rotates at the exact right speed that we get the right amount of daylight and the right amount of darkness. The temperatures are perfect for growing crops, and we get adequate amount of rain, not only to to sustain us, but to sustain animals and to sustain life. I can't talk today. I don't know what's going on. Anyway, it's not an accident. We didn't just happen to end up on the third rock from the sun by accident. This was God's creation. It's perfect. It's done exactly the way he needed it to be done. We live in a beautiful, gorgeous, amazing place. I've been here for about four-ish months now, maybe four and a half months now. And I, I, drive, up, I drive up the 70 as I'm coming up the hill, and I, and I get to Genesee Parkway, and every day as I'm kind of cresting that hill, I see this ridiculous view of mountains and, and snow sometimes, and pine trees, and things that I never grew up with. I grew up in the Midwest where it is flat as a pancake. And I still, every day, I stop at that stop sign, probably longer than I should. Some guy honked at me the other day. Because I got caught up looking at this amazing creation that we have. And I think that sometimes we get so complacent with that. And maybe some of you grew up here and you've been looking at this view for 20, 30, 40, 50 years. But do we ever stop to say, that's God. That is God at work. Look at this amazing creation that he he gives us. And look at the way that he provides for us. See, these mountains, they're not only beautiful and they not only allow us to go skiing and snowboarding and sledding, but what happens to all that snow when it melts? It runs down the mountain, and it becomes used for water. See, he provides. And sometimes we forget that he provides for us. Patrick mentioned earlier when he was talking about offering that the gifts that we have are not because of us. The gifts that we have are because of God, and he finds ways to provide. I I can think back to when Lizzie and I first got married, and I was working in commission-only sales, and and things were a little bit tight. And, and I remember times we were like, I don't know how we're going to make it to payday and be able to put gas in the car so that I can go to work, so that I can make money. But God always provided for us. He always made a way. He always found a way. I remember thinking back to one time where we were kind of in a dire situation and we were like, well, what are we going to do? How do we make it to Friday? And, and we got a check in the mail from some type of a class action lawsuit from like 10 years before. And I'm like, that has to be a God thing. Because A, I didn't even know I was a part of this. And B, I certainly was not expecting a check in the mail. But do we thank him daily for providing for us? We thank him for meals. We thank him for another day. But are we thanking him for sending Christ to be our redeemer? For creating this amazing place that we live? And for providing for our each 
and every need. I want to share a quote with you, and this quote comes from one of the early church fathers. His name is John Christensen, and it reads like this. It says, he who enjoys something without thanksgiving is as though he robbed God. If we're not thanking God for what he has done, then we're robbing him of that joy and of that praise and of that thanksgiving that he so richly deserves. And we can never repay God for what he's done. I hope that we'll spend the rest of our lives trying, but we can never truly thank God enough. We can never truly praise God enough. We can never truly give enough or serve enough to outdo what God has done for us. But I pray that we, as a Christian body, will try. I hope that we'll try to give enough, that we'll try to serve enough, that we'll try to help others, and that we'll try to always be in blessing and thanksgiving to God for what he has done. A couple things I want to leave you with, just some things I want you to think about as you go about your week this week, as you go back to work or school tomorrow or whatever that case may be. Lean in to the redemption that we're given by God. Because again, when you lean in to this idea that you are in Christ, when you lean into this idea that you are truly loved and highly favored by God, it affects the way that you treat others, the way you see others, and the way that you live your daily life. Lean into that. It's the greatest gift we could have ever been given. Lean into that idea of redemption. Be always thankful for what he has done. Sometimes it can be very powerful to just pray a prayer of thanksgiving. Don't ask for anything. And I want you to try this if you haven't done this. I want you to pray and don't ask for one thing in return from God. Just think of all of those things that you're thankful for and pray over those. We have a little jar in our house, and it's called a a blessings jar. And I think my mother-in-law gave that to us because that seems like something she would do, but I honestly don't remember. She's sitting over here. But. And it's got little stri- it came with little strips of paper and a pen. And, and what we do is we write down when these good things happen. We write down when we have been blessed by God. So that if we're ever in a place where we can't remember all of the blessings that God has given us, we can go to that jar and we can pull a couple out. But what we also do is we'll pull a couple of those out and just pray about them. Amen. And I want to just encourage you to say a prayer. And don't ask for anything. Don't ask God for anything in return. But I want you to just pray a prayer where you simply thank him for redemption, for creation, for provision, for whatever else may be on your heart today. I want you to just pray for that. Spend time in creation. Go out and enjoy this beautiful place that we live in here in Denver, or specifically here in Golden. Go out and just walk around in creation. Talk to God, because he'd love to hear from you. And just thank him for everything that he's done. As we close today, I want to just give you a few minutes to just send up a prayer to God. I want to give you a few minutes to just sit in quiet and thank God for all that he's done for you.